your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. So let's 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 talk about uh, this segue. As Tommy mentioned, uh, the Knicks are reportedly among the suitors interested in acquiring Raptors combo forward OG Ananumi. So this is a new report coming out on Monday by Sham Sharania of The Athletic. He says New York and Phoenix have expressed interest in making a deal for Ananumi. He says New York has shown a willingness to offer multiple first-round picks to make a deal happen. SNY's Ian Bailey also reported last week that the Knicks had expressed a desire to include multiple first-round picks in an Ananumi deal, but noted that that was taking place in December before the Knicks had went on that winning streak and they had been struggling mightily that those conversations happened about multiple first round picks for OG Anubi. So uh, we don't know if way I read it, if it's, this is, uh, you know, essentially new interest in the Knicks wanting to pursue OG Anubi. Is this uh, something that Sham is referring to that happened last month? That's not clear, but what is clear that the Knicks, have expressed interest in trading multiple first-round picks for OG. So I'll start the question and the conversation with this. Are you comfortable moving multiple firsts for OG on newbie? In short, yes. Um, he's he's the type he's the type of player that um, you value, that has really a ton of value in today's NBA. Uh, a true 3 and D wing, um, you know, a good scorer, a great defender, Um you know, there's just a lot to like there. You piece it together. Um, and in terms of if you're only giving up first-round picks, again, the Knicks are going to have to consolidate the, their their picks at some point. I understand you'd like it for a true superstar. Um, if and when those guys ever become available, is up, up for grabs. Um, if you trade for Ananubi now, the assumption is you're comfortable giving him extension at some point. Um, he has just – but he does have at least, you know, the, the rest of this season, obviously, and the rest of next season on his current contract. Um, before you kind of face those dilemmas, um, you know, you can readdress it this offseason, get them in, get them in the building, you know, develop a level of comfort. Um, as far as the picks go, again, there's, you, you, you know, if it's the the box protected pick and the, and the, and the, and the, uh, and the Knicks pick, obviously, you know, for me, that's a no brainer um, to, to get a player of, of OG's talent. But the way I look at it, I would really be surprised if this, talks continue and if this thing has legs my assumption is it's because the raptors are are are, are, are want to take back rj barrett in the deal um barrett a toronto native um plays for team canada obviously has canadian roots um and if they didn't trade barrett in the deal um where does og fit you know is he going to play the two is barrett going to get shifted down to the two is you know og play the three um we've 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 seen you know, we have a year and a half of sample size here that that Tibbs doesn't want to play Randall at the five. Um, so, you know, I thought maybe, you know, you could see maybe OG and, and RJ at the forward spots and RJ at the five. Maybe he would adjust that if you have a player as talented as OG that needs minutes. But I'm just not sure kind of how everything would shake out, especially when you have Brunson, Grimes and IQ um, to kind of man, man the backcourt primarily. Um, I'm just not sure how that all that would shake out unless the Knicks sent out um uh, rj barrett in the deal to toronto so and the other thing is if 
uh, my assumption is, and, and I, I'm high on OG on, on Ananobi, but I think a lot of a lot of people that I respect their basketball opinion are even higher on him than I am. Um, and there's been talk that if he ever got put to the open market, that teams would really throw uh, the kitchen sink at the Raptors to try to get their hands on this guy. So uh, my assumption is it would take a lot more than than just a, a multiple first round draft picks. You'd probably have to include another promising young player. Um, you know, again, whether that's Grimes or, or Barrett, I just think Barrett makes a lot of sense for obvious reasons so i tweeted this uh this weekend and i i say it on this episode like i i feel like in talking about og i have to hand in my basketball nerd card because as you said a lot of people around the league and a lot of people who cover this game that i respect as well really think highly of og on a newbie that being said i i would be very wary of giving up multiple first round picks for og on a newbie now i think it depends on certain things now if you're talking about um Trading out of this year's draft because you have two first round picks in this year's draft. That I think I'm a little more okay with because you're not talking about any, any, any damage towards your long term future of trading multiple first round picks down the line. Because essentially mm-hmm. the plan is still to trade for a star. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about trading, you know, uh, one of your picks this year and then a protected pick, you know, next year or two years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not as concerned with that. If you get into the conversation you had with Don, the Valley Mitchell conversation, okay. where you're talking about you're unprotected, your own picks, and they're two years out, and then it kind of locks you into being unable to trade your own pick for a couple of years. That's where I, I walk away from the table when I say I, I can't do that. I think OG's a very good player. He's an excellent defensive player. He's shown he gets three ball. I just think for a guy who has not really been healthy all that often, like this is a guy who's not played 70 games very often in his career. I think he's only done it maybe once. Um and a guy who's a good offensive player, but definitely not a guy who's uh, definitely not a two. I mean, maybe he's a three. I just I can't I can't give up all these first round picks for him. Now I think this market has been kind of screwed up with the Rudy Gobert trade right. and to some degree even the Jonte Murray trade, where you're seeing four, three, five first round picks getting moved for some of these guys. And that's why you know Jay Crowder is still sitting at home because nobody's giving up you know multiple first round picks for a guy like Jay Crowder. I would hope that the Knicks will be able to reset the market in a trade for OG on newbie where again, if you're trading on this year's draft, where's your pick in the Dallas pick, I can live with that. Um, but the, the future picks is where I, I would, I would pause. And I, I, and I'll be honest, I don't think I would trade RJ Barrett in a deal for OG. Now I get, I don't like the fit either, but to me, if I get OG on newbie, then I'm then looking to move Barrett. And now I'm real. I'm really trying to pursue a start. I don't know who's out there. But right. I'm now redirecting Barrett somewhere else. I, I think that multiple picks and RJ, I think it, I think it's too much value. Like I, I, I would not do that. But I, but I think RJ becomes expendable because I don't necessarily see how RJ and OG fit because I think RJ is best suited to play the three right now. A good point. Yes, I, I think you know six seven wing. I think he's definitely the three is, is where you want to keep him. And alongside Randall, I, the the reason I like the fit is because having a guy like that. Um, you know, pairing him with Grimes on the wing. This way you have Randall and Brunson as your mm-hmm. primary scorers, and then you have OG and, and, and Grimes as kind of the defensive lockdown perimeter guys that are very versatile, can guard multiple positions. You have IQ coming off the bench. Um, there's a lot to like there. Um, but you're right. It, it's important to note. 
Um, not all first round picks are created equal. Like that's, that's right. a very important point. If the Knicks are talking, they're 2027 20, unprotected and a 2029, 20, then I, I again, ag- agree. I, I step away from the table. Um, and you're right. That's probably what, uh, Ujai Masiri is looking for, uh, yeah. because he's a smart, shrewd GM yeah. uh, or president, whatever they call him. Um, but yes, so I, I, I definitely that that that's definitely worth noting. If the Knicks give up a first this year, um, you know whether it's their own or the or the Mavs pick, and then one of the other protected picks from you know Washington. Again, they have the Bucks protected pick, they have Washington's protected pick, they have the Pistons protected pick. Um, include one of those. Um, you know that that's kind of more along the lines what I was assuming. Um, again, while you're looking further down the line. Um, past Brunson's current contract, past Randall's current contract, then I'm very hesitant unless you're getting a star back in the deal. If you're, you know, I'm not willing to trade one of those unprotected. If you put protections on it, then we can have some conversations. Um, but a guy that just has, you know, that's going to be a free agent in 16 months, um, I'm not willing to to put those picks on the table too, I should have specified. And when we, when we talk about OG, I mean, how much of an advantage or how much better do you think the Knicks become if he gets at? Like he's like I don't know who goes out, but in, in a in a in a world where maybe it's RJ or maybe it's Toppin and Reddish or whoever, like assuming some guys are gone, but the core of definitely Brunson and Randall are still here. Like, where does OG take the Knicks at this point? Like, are they are they definitely a playoff team at that point? Can they get higher than six? Or are they still a play in? Like, where do they lie uh, after a OG on the trade potentially? Yeah, I think they uh, obviously it depends on what they send out. Um, but assuming that you know it's 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 primarily draft capital, um, then I think they definitely strengthen their roster, they improve their roster, and it makes it more likely that they get the sixth. I still don't think they're anywhere near the the, the cream of the crop, you know, the top four seeds in the East. Um, but I would say. Uh, OG is only 24 himself. He's younger than, than, than Toppin, I believe, or, or the same age. Um, so if you could, you know, if, if that's the type of player, and my assumption also is that if they trade for him, they have an understanding of what he's looking for in terms of an extension. Maybe it's a sign and extend. Um, you know, maybe it's a handshake agreement between the, 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 the you know, his OG's agents and, and, the, and the Knicks front office. And it's kind of, a, or at least an understanding, an implicit understanding. This is what we're going to be looking for. This is kind of what we'd accept on a multi-year extension this offseason. Those are the type of conversations because I think he's a player you build around. And again, even if you have to give up draft capital to get him, the, one of the other things we talked about is even though you send out capital that you hope to use in a trade to acquire a superstar, the team that trades the next superstar, in my opinion, would value OG Ananobi on an extended contract or even you know with one year left on his deal, yeah. a 25-year-old OG, as opposed to uh, you know, a, a protected draft pick or, a, or, or the, you yeah. know, the, or the Knicks, you know, 2023 pick, something along those lines. I think that player on that, you know, at, at that stage of his career has more value than a, than a, than a draft pick. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it's fascinating to see because yeah. are the Raptors buyers or sellers or are they staying right. put, you know, are they going to, do they, if they, it sounds like they're considering moving Van Vliet. If they move Van Vliet, does that make it more or less likely that they move OG? These, these questions may be determined. I think we're going to have very little activity right up until like a day or two before the deadline, one trade falls through and then teams based on how they did like the two games prior may make a decision yeah. for the rest of the season. Um, you know, that's just kind of the way it works sometimes. And it seems like no team's willing to be the first team to make a big move. Uh, but maybe once one of those domino falls, uh, you know, we'll kind of see how it plays out. 
Yeah, and and who knows who that team will be? Like, will it yes. be what happened with the Kings and the and the Pacers, which was shocking? You know, right. all right. of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, a couple of days before, it's Sabonis going to Sacramento and the the Pacers trading one of the the bright young prospects of the NBA <laughs> to the Kings and the deal which that nobody saw worked out, which has worked out for both teams. You know, yeah, exactly. Teams. Yeah, Halliburton going to the Pacers rather. Um, like yeah. that. That yeah, that was and that's a trade that you're right. The, the Kings have, are uh, the three seed in the Western Conference, which uh, I I I did think that maybe they'd improve. I really liked the Mike Brown hiring. I did not think they'd be at the three seed. I mean that that's incredible. And the Pacers have you know been in playing contention now. Halliburton getting hurt has really screwed yeah. their their whole situation up. Now they're yeah. they're kind of in a tailspin, but. We'll we'll see if maybe this is kind of what happens with that trade. Maybe this is a deal where the Knicks send out uh, a young player, uh, whether it's Barrett or whether it's Toppin, and those guys thrive in Toronto, and then maybe OG ends up being uh, even a better player uh, with the Knicks. Who knows? Um, But this trade deadline is going to be interesting. There's so much parity. There's so many people packed up at the top and people packed up at the bottom. Like the Eastern Conference, you got four teams, five teams, all packed up real close to each other. I think all of them feel like they could beat each other in the playoff series. Yeah. And the West, you know, you got two teams at the top, but then you got all these teams from three to essentially like 10 that are all within just three games of each other. Yeah, three, three to 13. The Lakers are, I yeah. think, like three games back in the loss column from the five seed. You know, it's just. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, I'm very curious what this will mean for like viewership for the rest of the NBA season and how this comes, how this affects the playoffs because I think that that there's been a concept that the NBA would like to be like the NFL in terms of getting hyper parity. I turn I technically don't love I really don't love hyper parity in the NFL. I think in some ways it's kinda hurt the product of the game recently of late. Um but the NFL is king. So you know it just because I'm a dope doesn't understand seeing all these mediocre teams play each other for 17 games and why we see that. Uh doesn't mean that the rest of America doesn't want to see that. Um, seeing these teams be so packed and so close, uh, how that affects the deadline, how that affects fan interest uh, moving forward throughout the season, I think is going to be a fascinating tale for this uh, 2023 season.